Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is the Notebook Dump Edition, and congratulations for making it through another week. You are finishing up week 16 of 52 for 2023, so pat yourself on the back. It's uh, it's not supposed to be this hard, but sometimes it is. Uh, my name is Phil Harvey, and joining me are my colleagues, Nicole Ferraro in New York. Hello, Nicole. Hello. Uh, we've got Kelsey Zeiser in North Carolina. How are you doing, Kelsey? <laughs> Uh, checking in from Colorado, we have Mike Dano. Hey, Mike. Good morning. <laughs> and we also have Jeff Baumgartner <laughs> in Colorado as well. Um, I think Mike is either frozen or has logged off. Oh, um, uh, we forgot to plug him in last night. Crap. Oh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> needs to recharge him. Uh, so you get the charge up to like 80% and then he's good to go to work. Uh, any, any, any less than that, uh, you, you have to plug him in again. Uh, but uh, that's okay. We'll tough it out. We'll we'll we'll. we'll uh, soldier on. Uh, let's see. Uh, one quick thing to mention. I mentioned it the last time and we didn't have a notebook dump last week uh, for, for technical reasons, but uh, um, I did want to remind everybody that the Leading Lights Awards is now accepting entries. We are open for entries for 2023. Um, and uh, we have, so get your entries in now. Uh, we're going to be announcing the winners uh, far off into the future, uh, uh, the week of uh, uh, Monday, September 25th and uh, right before Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, the entry time is uh, just going to last about 60 days. So you have, so the clock is ticking. Uh, get in your entries. If you did anything uh, uh, worthy of note for the whole industry from Q2 uh, 2022 to Q2 2023, we want to hear about it. And please do check out the new categories as well because we've revamped uh, that as we do every year. Uh, anyway, enough about the promo stuff. Let's go around and find out what the heck is happening out there. Um, Nicole, we'll go back to you. Uh, what's, what's going on? Uh, what, what, what have you been covering this week? Sure. Um, well, I wanted to ask if you're all okay, given the, the new war, the war of the white papers. Oh, <laughs> yep. I know uh, some, some, well, some bruising out there yeah. uh, this week. <laughs> Uh, earlier this week, I wrote about one one such white paper, a new one from Toronto Wireless, showing that it would it cost over two hundred billion dollars to um, satisfy the bead program fully with fiber, uh, and that's of course more than the forty two point five billion dollars available for the bead program. Um, but wait, there's more because that was followed by a another white paper from the Fiber Broadband Association. Uh, in coordination with Vantage Point Solutions. Let me guess showing, where they ended up on this on the argument. I, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Are you sitting down? Yes, yeah, I can yes. see that. Yes. So they, believe it or not, showed in their white paper that unlicensed fixed wireless isn't reliable for closing the digital divide um, like fiber is, essentially because of limited spectrum availability and long-term costs. But wait, there's more because you wouldn't believe it. But before that, the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association had released their own white paper showing that following bead uh, to the, the letter of the, the full fiber preference could plausibly add tens of billion dollars to the build out costs and wow. uh, leave people disconnected for longer. But wait, oh no, there's more. Because ACA Connects, which represents small and mid-sized cable companies who are essentially building out with fiber at this point, uh, said that in their study, they found that there is enough bead funding to cover almost all of the locations with fiber. So 
what to believe when all of these people are coming from um, unbiased places right. and uh, studying the data as it is very clearly available. Um, it's hard to know. But if I can offer some context, it's that uh, in case you're unaware, the bead rules do prioritize fiber uh, in most locations, except beyond an extreme high cost threshold where it's too expensive to deploy fiber. At that point, you can uh, give bead grant funding to unlicensed fixed wireless projects and otherwise. Um, fixed wireless yeah. companies aren't happy about this and have been trying to release data to encourage states uh, to allow for more fixed wireless in, in their programs, and the fiber industry has been uh, working to the opposite effect to, say, give as much to fiber as possible. So all of this is just sort of ramping up as we get closer and closer to NTIA saying how much money the states are going to get, which is happening on June 30th. And from then on, the states have like 180 days to get their initial bead plans approved. And um, so all of this information is basically uh, trying to ba a get NTIA to loosen its rules a little bit, which time mm -hmm. is running out on that. Be more uh, more directly trying to get states to um, you know believe one of these versions of the story and write their rules accordingly. So anyway, stay safe out there. Yeah, yeah. There's so much uh, white paper warring going on. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's weird too because it, it instead of coalescing around the thought of let's just connect as many people as possible as quickly as possible it's all like no 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 our our modality is is supreme and everything else is garbage and that's just not true sure sure well you know lobbyists lobby yeah yeah but uh mm -hmm. yeah no i was i was particularly shocked to hear that the fiber broadband association is is in favor of fiber yeah. broadband i didn't but, mean to blow your mind yeah. but no, it's, it says it right there on the yeah. tin as they say they're all in for fiber yeah well Crazy. yeah i i uh I, I do hope that uh that that states won't be quite as myopic about <laughs> it though because I, I i think in a lot of cases fixed wireless will get will get you somewhat there and then you can build fiber the rest of the way when there's uh, more time, more money, more uh, resources, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah. but there is something to be said for let's just get people hooked up as quickly as we can because that's the problem really. Uh, anyway, thanks Nicole for, uh, for, for enduring all of the uh, uh, paper cuts and God knows what else. Uh, Send you some like, yes born. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That this was is a of sharing all of this. Yeah, Just one, though. That's journalist. all we have budget for. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So, uh, don't Kelsey, read anymore. <laughs> you've been uh, you've been monitoring the transatlantic links, I think, and uh, uh, checking out uh, what's who, who's got what kind of bandwidth. What's what's happening in your neck of the woods? Yeah. So Lumen had a uh, 400G IP transit port update. They said they're expanding those. Um, across their internet backbone in U.S. and Europe. And um, Andrew Dugan, their CTO, said that it combines Lumen's um, 400G transit ports with um, the company's 400G gig uh, wavelengths. And those are for ultra um, high bandwidth connections. So hyperscalers, um, wholesale companies, ISPs, gaming companies, things like that. So they said they're currently in... Um, eight, eight markets and they're, um, I think expanding, uh, 12 additional markets in the U S and EMEA, um, this year and through next year. So okay. 400 gig for everyone. So they're being, yeah. So they're trying to, uh, really put down the, uh, you know, 
some credibility as one of the leading uh, transatlantic traffic haulers so that, uh, you know, they can get a lot of wholesale traffic, a lot of, uh, I guess, some retail traffic, but mostly for for companies, like you said, I, you know, the wholesale, or the hyperscalers already have quite a bit of uh, subsea capacity, um, but that they own themselves. But there are tons and tons of enterprises, especially with everybody going to the cloud and, uh, you know, bandwidth, uh, does, you know, the uh, bandwidth needs uh going up every year. There are tons of enterprises that are uh, uh, getting, I, I guess, more savvy about purchasing uh, wholesale wavelengths themselves for their own purposes, as opposed to going through carriers. So I guess Lumen can kind of have it both ways and make sure it's it's well positioned in the market. And I think the eight, uh, the eight uh, markets is interesting, uh, or going from eight to 12, is that what they're doing? They're going to do um, 12 additional. 12 additional. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to, trying to, you know, fill out as many landing points in the U S as they can, so they can get closer and closer to customers, uh, you know, who might be uh, needing that kind of capacity. So interesting stuff. 400 gig is nothing to sneeze at. That's definitely the, uh, the going, uh, the going rate for transatlantic and it'll be 800 gig soon enough. I think in some cases it's already, um, it's already, it's already being built out. I don't know if it's happening, if if those links have been turned on yet. But that's a that's a pretty big development for the uh, for all you optical networking nerds out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> those Jeff, ones you for just, you, Sterling parent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, Jeff, you just got back from uh, Las Vegas, and uh, you still have the shirt on your back, so that's good. Uh, but uh, what, what were you what were you doing yeah. out there oh your shirt didn't stay in vegas no no actually i've come back with all my clothes yeah now the um okay i uh yeah i spent a very uh short time at any being uh shorter than normal and yet i'm still like punchy I don't know. but uh uh but i was there long enough to to get a, a little bit of a fix on uh some of the bigger like germane to us topics being discussed and um and the first thing um, is I think everyone's just, you know, keeping tabs on what attendance is looking like, right, at some of these uh, bigger events. And uh, just to get that out of the way, the, it's clear that it's coming back to a degree. Um, I think NAB's preliminary count was about 65,000 uh, registered people in attendance this year. And that was up from like 52,000 last year, but still off from the 91,000 or so that were there at the 2019 show before the pandemic. Um, but overall, it seemed pretty busy. Um, it was nice to have much of what I was focused on uh, in the West Hall, the new West Hall. It still has like that uh, new car smell, you know. So it didn't uh, feel like I was walking through, you know, 1975 air. convention center yeah, smell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know. It smells like burnt coffee yeah. and forgotten dreams <laughs> that's right a lot of lost dreams in those <laughs> other halls but um i mean it's great yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the fresh west hall and um but um as far as like content i did um stop by the streaming summit there for a, a couple of sessions um where we actually got an update from uh, zumo the the comcast charter streaming joint venture and um colin petrie norris their Chief Revenue and Platform Officer uh, said that there's a new Zumo streaming box that's going to come out later that year, and it's going to be a little standalone device that complements the integrated uh, connected TVs 
that they're offering through uh, partners like Hisense and um, Element Electronics. Um, and early on, it looks like that box is going to succeed the uh, the Flex box that Comcast has been offering to its broadband only customers. Um, but it also sounds like Charter is going to use it to provide uh, devices to their video customers as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that strategically fits in for both of those operators. But the overall idea is to provide uh, a platform that can aggregate all of your content, you know, pay TV as well as all the streaming stuff onto a unified interface and uh, with app and content aggregation and access to the, uh, the free ad supported stuff from uh, the Zumo Play service. Um, so that was one thing. And then the other update we also had was on the, uh, the ATSC 3.0 transition, which has to do with the new IP-based uh, broadcast TV signaling uh, standard that supports 4K, high dynamic range, advanced advertising. You can do some broadband connectivity. Uh, so a lot of uses for it. Um, I did see some demos of it in action, um, but I think the big news this week was uh, the collaboration between uh, the FCC and the NAB on the transition, which stands at about 60% of all uh, U.S. households today. So they announced this Future of TV initiative, or at least uh, FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel did. And they're going to do a roadmap for the transition that will include some working groups uh, linked towards that goal, uh, including uh, some focus on backwards compatibility. <coughs> Pardon me with the, uh, the 1.0 standard. So not a lot of detail beyond that, but uh, more to come. And I did see some demos. The yeah, there were some demos. I saw Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> that seems uh, that seems dated. Yeah. You know, casual games, but uh, yeah, but also VOD and some other you know some other applications. Oh, but this was all being done over over the, over the air TV, right. uh, you know, TV uh, antennas and stuff yeah. like that. So not something. Yeah. Okay, so this is be okay. Well, that that that's that's important <laughs> because most people aren't going to be able to, uh, or a lot of people are not going to be able to afford uh, having eleven streaming services and only watching, you know, uh, one or two things a week. Um, so they've got to, you know, they've got to figure out a way for uh, regular people to get regular TV <clears throat> because it's always been free and over the air until. Uh, until it until they turn it off, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. It's just you know I think that they're trying to find some different use cases for this um, advanced advertising. You can do like start over, start over a program. You know that that's already in uh, progress. Uh, there's but they're working. They're doing it in conjunction with like this uh, software stack that, that can do some of this other stuff. So um, I think there's still some skepticism about how well the standard uh, is going to do with respect to consumer adoption. I think there, you know, a lot more awareness and availability uh, needs to be done for sure, in addition to the whole rollout part, <laughs> you know, getting it um, available across the, uh, the country. But uh, a little bit of a progress update. So uh, a great show I mean, for I that think to happen. The, the with the uh, oh, and speaking of uh, going back to that point about the size of NAB, I mean, I think the broadcast industry itself has has 
shrank considerably in the last few years. You know, uh, radio TV stations are consolidating at a ridiculous rate and, and all the small market stuff's going out of business. So yeah. uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that there's just a, a smaller pool of companies and exhibitors and people in the industry to, yeah. to, uh, to attend. Well, and it feels like the whole event itself has become kind of a video technology show. Um, whether it's yeah. streaming and uh, there's a lot of like workflow and coding, you know, a lot of the, the back office uh, workflow stuff seems to be one of the yeah. bigger focuses, uh, focuses there in addition to the regulatory things that they have to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, okay. Uh, Mike, uh, while, while Jeff is uh, coughing his way through uh <laughs> through allergies or what oh, have no. you. Being yeah. in Vegas, maybe maybe too always, many cigars in Vegas, uh, let's be honest, right? I'm sure there was uh, some airborne uh, fun stuff going on that I also brought back, <laughs> but uh, that's something else I'll survive, I think. Um, yeah, well, Mike's uh, uh, plugged back in now. He's he's uh, he's he's live on the internet. Uh, we can see him again. So uh, what, uh, what, what fell out of your notebook this week? Yeah, hopefully you can yep. hear me okay now. Um, but uh, good... Um, yeah, I have been looking at uh, or watching the progress of chat GPT through the telecom industry. There's some there's some developments there. Have you guys have you guys played with that chat GPT? Have, have any of you messed around? Just with it? really no. simple prompts. No, nothing, no, nothing major. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a, it's, I've enjoyed playing with it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's stirring up some consternation and controversy in telecom a little bit. So we had, uh, we had the company Calyx, a vendor, we had them announce that they're going to ban it, ban the usage of chat GPT, just, uh, because if you put information into it, there's no reassurance that it's going to remain private. That was mainly their concern. It's not that they're worried about AI necessarily. They're just worried about that particular program and they're going to use other, uh, like AI language type programs in the future. But after that happened, we had a couple of other like sort of AI chat GPT related developments happen. we had the, um, the CEO of Telefonica posted a, a blog post about AI. He said, quote, it's time to stop and think. And it was sort of this like long sort of wandering essay about, you know, aren't humans okay and whatever, blah, blah, blah. No. And, and he said, uh, we must be people centric was his, 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 uh, his, his conclusion. Um, but then at the same time, there's another uh, a consulting company called Bain um, came out and had a whole list of things that they recommended telecom people do with that, this, uh, language AI stuff. They said, uh, you know, use it across, um, customer service, use it across HR, um, use it across marketing campaigns. They had a whole thing about, basically their argument was speedy action trumps perfect planning. That was their approach to AI was that you basically, you should jump in and just start using it. They said Vodafone has a way of, a uh, of approaching approaching AI in general, they said Vodafone developed a, an operating model that allowed it to assess the level of scrutiny required for different types of AI applications and use cases. So they have like sort of, Vodafone has like a, uh, a cohesive approach to AI now, and they recommended a lot of other telecom operators do the same. So that's the, a very polished consultant version of Silicon Valley's run fast and break things, uh, uh, kind of mantra, uh, exactly. which, you know, works really well as you see so much that Silicon Valley has broken over the years. 
<laughs> they keep running enough. fast and they yeah. keep all, all breaking things, but they don't <laughs> really example. ever build anything sustainable that, you know, works worth the crap. So, um, yeah, good job. Silicon Valley. Yeah. But now I, I wonder about the, uh, uh, the, you know, I, I, I kind of share what Calix's CEO, uh, was saying, you know, I, I do think companies ought to have a little bit more of a, um, of a skeptical view about just uh, about their chat GPT usage or any AI usage, because they are capturing that data so that they can train, you know, more AI. And I think the, the, there, there really is no guarantee and there's no safety uh, mechanism believe, let's put it this way, no believable safety mechanism put in place. That's going to safeguard your information or the confidentiality of whatever you're sharing or writing about. So, I, I do think people ought to um, be very careful about what they put in there for sure. Right. Um, is there, are, are there other uh, uh, operators that have talked about their framework for using chat GPT or are they just talking about they've, they've developed a system mm -hmm. of rules internally and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that uh, I think um, I would be surprised if a lot of operators are following this same approach that this Telefonica guy is taking, which is like, you know, he, he says the rights of people must pre be prioritized over any other criteria. And he just takes a very like high minded approach to this. I think that other operators are probably being a lot more pragmatic. In fact, um, just this week, we had uh, the CEO of AT&T talk about how they're using AI in their operations. He mentioned the new partnership with NVIDIA, and they're using AI to help route technicians more efficiently. And, and naturally, they're putting it in customer service. Uh, I think there's no surprise there. But yeah, I think my assumption is that there's lots and lots of yeah. tests going on right now. And, and the Bain people just say, you know, definitely do that and definitely test a lot and just go, you know, go. I hope they said all that in the Bane voice from Christopher Nolan's Batman movie. Do you feel in charge? <laughs> I, 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 in the darkness. I was born in the darkness. Born in the darkness. Guided by to... AI. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> yeah. interrupt that. Color um... content. <laughs> I, I've tried to use ChatGPT and Bard for research and they're both very bad at research. Like the information is yeah, bad. It's 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 plausible so, sounding, but completely wrong. I think it's the <laughs> yeah, completely wrong, completely wrong. I think that's isn't that my middle name? Is plausible sounding, but like Mike, plausible sounding, but completely wrong. Dana. My wife. There's somebody at Bain Consulting that that talks in Bain voice. I I've got to get to the bottom of this. This would be this would be so exciting if they're delivering you know their findings uh, that way. Uh, you know, be a big press conference. In voice. <laughs> I mean, I I think they should just oh, hire you. Hours. Are you are you sister yeah, interview I mean, right now? I thought it was weird that they had all had pictures yeah, with that yeah, thing yeah, on their face, so you I mean, couldn't really see their mouth. I thought, I thought they were was, against masks. That's weird, but, but whatever, you know. It's cool. you know? Uh, know, yeah, great, good stuff. Um, <laughs> now, have I, you guys I, ever seen Bane Cat? Not to go too far off no. the rails. No. All right, we'll have to link to that in the show notes. All right, we'll link to it in the show notes. Is this your armory? Bane Cat. 
changing the subject slightly as we, uh, I don't have a flash poll for us to, uh, uh, to weigh in on, but I do want your opinion on something. Uh, there was a pitch that was sent to me about, uh, the rise in pub popularity. Um, a couple of companies that manage Wi-Fi connections said that, uh, new data on guest Wi-Fi connections unveiled today, uh, that, uh, there's a 45% increase uh, in people, in, in people over 60 visiting pubs and, <laughs> and, and going online compared to, uh, 2019, you know, pre lockdown level. And they said that, uh, um, let's see what other age groups had jumped. Oh yeah. The, uh, millennials had also seen a, a 43% increase in 20, in 2022. So I guess they were getting all of this information by, uh, seeing how many people were logged in. Uh, from pub locations all over uh, Europe, uh, and mm. I think that's an interesting way to to track uh, <clears throat> how much people are drinking. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a great Wi-Fi story, to be honest. But they were they were hoping we would cover it as a Wi-Fi story. <laughs> I, I think we should do some first yeah. primary yeah, research. Yeah. That's true. So. <laughs> I, do, do people really? I mean, does does that does everybody like? Is that the first thing you do when you go to a pub? You look for the free Wi-Fi. I don't even, I, I don't even pull out my phone unless I'm trying to settle a bet or something. <laughs> well, now they have. I I wonder yeah. if it's in part because all those menus have gone to. Um, oh right. The QR codes. Oh, that's yeah, a good point. Because that, that be is it. like the first mm-hmm. thing I do is scan the menu. That's true. Yeah. That's figured it out. There we go. She Pizza, solved it. Chicken wings. Wow. Did the PR he people even, even mention that? Because that's so menus. obvious. I know. Unbelievable. I'm going to I'm going to send uh, somebody from Bain to talk to them about this. <laughs> you buried the lead, and she's right here. There we go. Don't bury the lead. Born in the pub, molded by it. You scan the menu and then you get online. I don't know what <laughs> voice that was. Yeah, that was Yoda. Oh, okay. Yoda-ish. They sounded kind of similar, right? Yeah. You are a I mean, you scan. I'm not, <laughs> not going to say Bane and Yoda are worlds apart. They're pretty close in my in my very limited range of impressions. <laughs> I thought you meant like, like what they stand for. Whole time, I don't. I don't even know what who Bane is. Well, I don't know what you're talking get about this whole time. Now. I'm just Batman pretending. Our listeners. Uh, <laughs> Oh no! She knows who Yoda is. So. <laughs> She's really leaving. <laughs> I think our Nicole, uh, come back. Take it back, uh, Nicole. Wait, <laughs> tell us more about who's winning the fiber Why award or something. <laughs> oh well, you have me at fiber. <laughs> I. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. Well, anyway, that was the pitch. So I guess we covered the story as as well as we could. And I, yeah. I I'm sure that PR person is uh, is at the pub right now, uh, drowning their sorrows <laughs> in terms of uh, ex- not exactly what they were expecting. But uh, anyway, I think we need to uh, close it out. So that wraps up another edition of the Notebook Dump. Uh, this one. For the week ending Friday, April 21st, 2023. Uh, uh, Editors, thank you so much for uh, contributing. Thank you all uh, for listening and thanks for watching. And we will see you next time. Bye forever.